I see. I think it's interesting. He goes. Oh. Oh, I think it's really interesting. But you've thrown it in like, one minute before we started. So that's, that's what we like, do. That is what we do. Welcome, Hello. one and all, to another episode of um, Off the Cuff of Live Lunch. Half an hour before Live Lunch begins, because that's where all the conversations happen. <laughs> the filter is probably a good idea. I think so. We, we, if we did that, we might have like one or two episodes, and then we'd. Get, get it pulled <laughs> so thanks for joining us for another episode of live lunch that's what you always say so i feel like yep. saying now i am joined by johan i'm joined with steven and i'm joined with purity Hello. for the first time ever great to have you with us purity thank you for having me tell us who you are what you do oh yes i'm purity as previously mentioned i'm a student intern for the church coming up to the end of the internship and before that i was a sussex student doing biomedical science so wow that is it I'm sure far more intelligent than any of us so it's great to raise that bar <laughs> for a change here on live lunch and what's for lunch yo well because it is the uh the big bank holiday week coming up uh for us to celebrate the queen's jubilee jess Koloki has organized a surprise meal for us yeah team to the bank holiday well Stephen was weekend. talking about surprises in his message uh, yes yes and this can be a practical example <laughs> so of surprised the, of this, surprise. as if we hadn't tied this in and so planned it I'm going to open and Matthew going to do some poetry Ooh. right so we're told that it's, it's British cuisine what is it waffles is it it? Looks like looks like it looks like a samosa. Oh, oh, breakfast. Oh. That's the best. English <laughs> breakfast. Oh. I suppose you see if this was oh, if this was a true if this was a truly British affair, we would have the different versions of it around the around the uh, the UK. Oh, yes. You know, yeah. you would have your Ulster Fry version. You would have your yes. Scottish oh, thank you, haggis and uh, black yeah. pudding in there, wow. but they don't seem to be present. We have just got. <laughs> well, know. I say just. just. It waffles, is, it toast, is amazing. sausages, beans. I don't know what the waffle is. I've never seen that in an English Ooh, breakfast that. before. That's what I'm I diving into. Yeah. Thank you, Jess. This is, this is moving me to <laughs> tears. That's so lovely. <laughs> thank you. Wow. Wow, okay. Guys, I'm out of the conversation. You're yeah, totally <laughs> distracted. <laughs> but we forgot that the food is just a prop in this show. It's, yeah, we don't even eat it. It's not the main thing. Eating is a really key component of life at Emmanuel. Mm -hmm. That is true, but it doesn't always make for a great podcast. Okay. You're just watching you eat. You've got this one, Right, while uh, Johan is uh, entertained with his late breakfast. Stephen, why don't you give us a summary <laughs> of what the some, message some other food. from, uh, yeah, some spiritual food. <laughs> Man does not live by English breakfast alone. Go yeah, for it. We were at the end of chapter 27 of Genesis and into chapter 28, uh, following on from the story of the previous week of um, uh, Jacob and Rebecca's dastardly acts of deceiving um, Esau and Isaac and uh, Jacob getting the blessing by dressing up Esau. Just looking basically at the consequences of that. And I gave us four consequences, starting with D. Uh, they were death, they were difficulty, delay, and distance. 
and uh, just looking at the different ways that our sin can impact our lives and lives of other people around us and obviously also looking at the ultimate consequences of, of death which is distance uh, disintegration of our relationship with God and looking at actually it's not just bad news there is good news and that's actually why Jesus came he knew that we were going to mess up everything and uh, he's here to set everything right uh, both ultimately in terms of our salvation with God uh, but also even as we live in the consequences he's able to help us and give us his grace brilliant initial thoughts what what struck you purity yeah there was I th- mm, can I remember which d word it was um I think difficulty you're talking about how it like consequences of sin can rob us of peace and for me that just reminded me of the end of chapter one of proverbs that goes into um wisdom is saying to follow her because like lady wisdom is like personified in the book of proverbs and to follow her because then we don't have to live in fear of any harm Mm. and that really just hit me i was like remind me of that bit and i was doing a study on proverbs and like seeing jesus in the in the book and how Jesus is wisdom as a person and so following Jesus Mm. really is saying following Jesus means that we can live fear of any harm we can live in freedom we can live in that peace that you were talking about and don't have to even in the midst of difficulty following him brings ultimately that peace that we need so that was my main point brilliant I I think the the follow-on question to that really I suppose is is what what does that look like practically Mm. how how do we because often we do know like everything you, you said there in terms of like that is true that peace um but then we can <laughs> stray away from that and not live in the good of that um especially you know seasons of delay and that sort of thing how what are, what are the things that any of us find helpful to keep coming back to that peace keep in that peace rather than slipping out of it i think for me i think this passage much anything does act as a warning I think a lot of what I was trying to do is help people when they're living in the consequences of it now just being real about that and being great to pray and minister to some people afterwards where that was the case but I think it does act as a warning like just being real about the fact that sin has power um, it, it, you know it, it really does have consequences I think so much when, so often when we're tempted to do things we think oh it's not bad or we'll get away with this or you know I'm just saying no, no it's not it does genuinely rob you of relationship with God robs you of peace and I think to have that mindset particularly around some key issues I think if you know there's a particular um, proclivity to a certain type of sin in your life just really working through okay what, what's the outcome if I follow this down a path and I was talking to someone afterwards saying look you've got yourself to a place so far just follow that down you know just just very rationally think mm-hmm. you know what is going to fall out what's the fallout of this you know where where is your peace going to be where are your relationships going to be at as a result of the actions and the, the path you're pursuing right now because sin is so irrational in reality you know if we, get, if we were to sit down to someone about their sin you'd be like don't do that and these are the reasons why but when it's our own stuff you know the bible talks about the fact that we're very blind to it you know we, we fool ourselves we, we lie to ourselves so i think anything we can do just to think you know almost pre-think okay what's some decision i can make it around some things so i mentioned relationships i mentioned money i think there's two kind of two things that i think it's very important as christians to sit down and think what do i think about relationships the relationship i'm going to be in what do i think about i'm going to do with my money so when temptation comes you really think oh no i know what i think already think about these things yeah. and so somebody's putting a, a plan around some of those things i guess Brilliant. yeah, yeah. I, I, and i think two things as well i think um when we're talking about sin and the consequences of sin, we're not just talking about things that we do, but also sin that you know that's committed against us. And sometimes we live in the consequence of other people's mm. 
sin and i think one of the things that, you know what you were saying in terms of the gospel and and how jesus frees us and from the um ultimately from the effects of that that is a work that happens you know in for sin that's that we've been affected by from from other people not explained that very well but one i suppose pastorally one of the ways that we try to help people as churches actually so often when we they tell the story it's about what has happened to them by other people and that sort of thing and sometimes people you know well it's done by them they they did the sin so does the gospel how does the gospel really but actually the gospel in terms of shaping our identity shaping who we are bringing us you know trusting god in terms of his judgment and justice of other people all those themes can actually bring us that you know that peace and that freedom purity that that you were talking about as well like the the gospel really does apply to us and we can take hold of it even if it's not us that has committed the sin sometimes we think that's a different um category but it isn't the thing, sorry, the thing that I, I'd like to add uh, to the conversation was uh, how. Now that you're finished, <laughs> <laughs> this food is amazing. Thank you, Jess. Um, is the whole the thing that stops this from becoming actually quite like a, a crippling sermon, in as much as you got to consider the consequences of your behavior and and and, and I'll, I'll share my, a story on, on the back of this was it's just is is Jesus. And you did that. You you brought us to the gospel. So you want you want just saying. Um, now go away and sort your lives out because there's consequences to your sin. You're saying, no, that the answer to that is found in the person of Jesus and in the relationship you, you have with him. And I remember a few years ago when I was talking to Steve Horn, who is one of the super pastors here at Emmanuel, about one of the fears that I had about just being... <laughs> Sorry, is, is that like a, a title that you give him or is it just... Is that a super pastor or a super pastor? Superb. Super. Sorry. I thought it was like an extra. This pastor. Super pastor. Super, it's like an extra badge. No, get. I just think very highly <laughs> of Steve Horn. For about ten years, you get a. All, sorry. sorry. There's no super pastor. Super no. pastor, <laughs> which I personally have personally experienced. I'm not doubting that, that he is. Great. Let me, let me just put that on record. Um, was on. one of the as a as a young father, I remember being just really fearful of the consequences of of bad parenting decisions about times when I'd really get it wrong. And there was, so there was something about like talking to him about areas I needed to grow in as a dad. And I think, you know, there's, there's the beauty of being in, communi- in Christian community where you get to talk about these things. But, but the, the, the thing that he said to me, which I found so helpful is um, he said, Johan, you are not your children's savior. Jesus is. And they can't find their... Um, their, I guess their their forgiveness and their grace in their relationship with you, they've got to find that in Jesus. And you've got to demonstrate to them that you need the gospel as much as they need the gospel. Um, and I just found that so freeing. So it, it's meant that when, I, when I've made bad parenting decisions as a dad, I know straight away that I can go to Jesus and I can I ask for forgiveness and I can repent. Uh, and, I can, and I can do that in front of my kids and say... Kids, I got it wrong. I, you know, I shouldn't have said this, or I shouldn't have, I've done this. I should have been more there for you, or this decision was a wrong, a bad decision. But my, it, it's also meant that my, my biggest prayer for my kids has been that they would know Jesus, uh, and that they would, they would meet with Him. Because I think, yes, I'm aware of the consequences of of decisions that I make, but ultimately, I want them, I want their lives to be shaped by their walk with God. Um, mm. And so for me, the. I don't know. I just don't know how you would, how you could parent without the gospel, um, or how you could do many things without 
having Jesus at the center of your life. Uh, and, and and that's why it's becoming like the, a big prayer for my kids that, that they would know Jesus. Yeah, I think, you know, yeah, let, let's click on that for a minute because I think, I think without the gospel, we all tend to go to one extreme or the other. Parenting or what could be could be other things as well in terms of like either I've got to do this amazingly like it's on me I'm going to absolutely smash it I'm going to do it and that you go to an end of perfection or you're prone to go to the other end of being like I'm never going to do this well I'm never going to do this right so just take a step back abdicate I can't even try very hard um but the, the the as you're saying the gospel saves us from from both that we we do work hard we do want to um do the best that we can for our kids but we ultimately know it's not on us and there's a freedom uh, in that that is that is healthy any other thoughts on that or should we move on to another question no cool one of the things that you put in there uh, in your in your message Stephen that perhaps perhaps surprise people or I would just love to give you an opportunity to say a bit more, and I'm interested to hear what you think on this period as well. Is and you talked about in terms of our behaviour and our actions, and I, I, I suppose it's with this theme of living in the peace of Christ, and and you, I think you used the um, illustration from Artie Kendall about you know a, a couple in a house, and when they would argue, they had what was it, pigeons? Or, no, doves. Doves nesting in the eaves. Nesting in the eaves. You told them better than me. Um, and then, but when they, you know, when they would shout and you know, argue and angry with one another. The doves would fly away. What's that? What's wrong? Do you not hear this illustration? He said it in his, he said it in his preach, mate. Do you hear the morning service as well? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine every time you start arguing with the doves start flying? Isn't that <laughs> why you had to move house? No. <laughs> um, anyway, as an illustration of the spirit, you know the work of God, the peace, the peace we have of God. Actually, sin actually can, and you linked it to, to grieving the spirit. So obviously that is that is in there. You know the, yeah. the, the 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 New Testament does say about we can grieve the spirit, and I think that's a, that's a surprising verse, or maybe slightly hard to reconcile with. Well, grace, like we get the spirit by grace, it's not on us. So what does it mean to grieve the spirit? How can we? Is God's presence go away from us as a punishment for us, or like? Talk a little bit more about that because it's an area that we can be confused. Now, yeah, thanks for helpful. I think um, we have a relationship with God. You know, it's you know we can talk about some of these things as they're fixed things and lots of things that are God is faithful, does not change. Uh, but still, a relationship and in any relationship, you you, you can impact it on both sides um, in terms of particularly how it's felt and how it how it's going. So when I have an argument with my wife, do I stop being married? No, but just does everything feel great? No, it doesn't. I think when we when we read the scriptures, we see similar things. So. Um, you have to have to mind where the scripture is, but it talks about husbands not being harsh with their wives. Because yeah. if they're harsh with their wives, their prayers will stop being answered. Mm. So what? It's like, well, you know, there's obviously a sense there is a link between the way that we interact and trust God with different things, the way we conduct ourselves that do have spiritual impact in the here and now, and, and particularly how it feels. So whether that's a sense of peace or a, a sense of fruitfulness, I guess. Um, you, you know, I think we've all experienced those moments where we feel close to God, we're doing well at resisting temptation and uh, killing sin and sharing the gospel 
do you feel close to God? Of course you do. And those who, you know, how do we know when someone loves God? It's because they obey him. And when we obey him, we, we know his love, we express love to him, and we feel his love as well. And it's that very sense, you know, the, the feelings thing. The danger is you push it too far. You say, okay, well, you know, I sense that does God not love me anymore? Does God, is God not here? Well, no, I'm not saying that. Uh, we're saying there's that sense of, you know, the, and the Spirit's activity very present in, in your life. Actually, there is a sense where the Bible says you can extinguish that, where you can grieve God. And I think, particularly when looking at our sin, we think about, I feel bad, or I've made that person feel bad. And often we can skip over, actually, I've made God feel bad. You know, actually, this is grieves God when we do things that are wrong. Does it change his love towards us? No, it doesn't. But it does grieve him. And when we say sorry, when you say sorry to him, that's what we see modeled in Psalm 51 with David, you know, with all the adultery and murder he committed, ultimately his offense is against God. And I think when we're looking at sin, we're realizing, ah, that's, that's where the real impact is. And that's the, that's the relationship I should care about most uh, when I've sinned. Yeah, no, it does. I think that's I think that's massive because I think I don't know what you think about this purity, but I think I think in a, in in our in our culture in this present time, we can be so subjective and and so feelings led, just in general. You know, I feel this today, therefore I'm not going to go to work, whatever, whatever it is. But you know, that can be. So, there's a, it seems like there's a big, such a big premium that whatever we feel is true, and it should be shaping, and that sort of thing. And I think we can port that into our Christian experience as well. Like if I feel, um, you know, close to God, that I am close to God. Um, I think you know what you're saying there. The scripture cuts against that and say well it's not about your feelings but actually thinking about there is something that does affect our relationship with god it's not about how we feel it's about are we walking in um god's ways are we, are we cultivating a relationship um with him i don't know what the question is there purity but I don't know, <laughs> if you, if, what would you say about that experience yeah. What, yeah. what does it look like to cultivate that relationship in your life um, that Ooh, sort of thing. All of the questions. Um, I think going off the back of what both of you have said, um, the way we can kind of think of our feelings first is like, in is kind of saying that God's distant and God's far away, and like how we feel about our relationship with Him supersedes who He is, mm-hmm. and like what you so beautifully brought in is the idea that the truth that he is with us he is Emmanuel he's like the way we act in our lives that is affecting our relationship with him because he cares he's a father that cares so much and he's it's just it reminded me of just how much he's a creator and everything in on this world is like his creation and it links back to him Mm -hmm. so how I interact with my friends my colleagues like another person that's someone who's in the image of God and if I don't do that with wisdom, if I don't do that um, in a kind, loving way, that's affecting God because, and it's going to grieve God because He's the Creator. I'm um, mm-hmm. making offense to His creation, and it really just changes the perspective of how I want to live, of how am I interacting with strangers, how am I interacting with those around me, how am I interacting environmentally as well. Mm-hmm. So, it really brings mm-hmm. in who God is into like the heart of my life, and am I? viewing that and actually acting it out in a way that is honoring who he is. So I really appreciated that, mm. actually. Mm. So. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, so I guess going back to the whole <coughs> grieving the Holy Spirit, it, if it, you know, practically, how do we work through that? Um, if somebody has, has done something where they feel like, oh, this, 
I'm being I'm being convicted for what I've just done. I don't think it was right. And we've we've heard the analogy of the oh no sorry not analogy but we've, we've read about the Holy Spirit being grieved through the through what we've done. How do we then work that out? Because you don't want to be left with a feeling of oh I've grieved the Holy Spirit. What do I then do with that? Yeah, I think um, I think what I would say on that is that that is grieving the Holy Spirit is is talking it is talking about um, things that we do and you know things that we do that are wrong and that sort of thing. But it's almost like I think what Stephen was saying, which I agree with, and what that the context of that passage, it's almost like when we do something wrong, we want right. How can I make it right? And we want to do something. Do I need to pray a certain prayer? Do I need to have a certain person pray for me? Do I have to say exact right words? And then that's undone. Um, and I don't think that that this is what it's talking about. It's it's yes, we can grieve the Holy Spirit by things that we've done, but actually, it's talking about cultivating a relationship. Is what you just you just said. There, it's about relationship with with the Spirit, uh, and there are things that are going to push us away from the way the spirit wants to work and there are things that are going to draw close um us close to him as well so it was almost like if someone's in that situation of being like i you know this is what i've done firstly we come to christ you know it's christ spirit one god and um, so we shouldn't separate those two things out we have a relationship with god it's by the son through the spirit you know to the father um and so if we have done something wrong, if we feel conviction, we come to Christ, we repent, we ask for his forgiveness, and we take the step of faith, believing it's dealt with. It's like, so we're no, there's no sense of like earning our way back to God or sort of earning the Spirit's work in our life. Like, let's, get, let's get that super clear because this is a bit, this is where the nuance kind of comes in. We think, oh, well, just God forgive me, but yet the Spirit is not working quite in me like it was before. We can confuse those two things, but we should be really clear that, you know, God forgives us. But as Stephen and Purity was saying, there is a depth of relationship with God partnering with the spirit keeping a step with him that with time with obedience mm. that 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 comes and you see you see i've seen that in i've seen that in my life i know when there's you know when there's patterns of sin or there's just and yeah and you just know just know that i'm putting myself in a place that's just a little bit hard to god's work mm. um but actually there's other times that you just know actually yeah i'm really on the front foot wanting to know what god is wants to say to me and i've experienced in those times yeah you feel god speaks to you more you you feel more peace and more joy and that sort of thing can i okay i think just to add to that i think i think people concerned like i've sinned and is god come close to me the reality is god comes close to those who are repentant and so it's funny but i think the kind of sin that grieves god is unrepented or people are choosing to live in it. I think when we talk about unforgiveness, talk about bitterness, talk about rage and malice, particularly those, those things that are listed in Ephesians 4, they're, they're things that people, you know, you can have a moment of that and then be repentant. And God loves repentant, you know, those who, you know, are sick near the doxy. He's like, oh, it comes, comes to us very closely. Often I've, I've felt God very closely and very keenly when I've been most grieving my sin. Almost when I'm grieved, yeah. the Holy Spirit is not. And that's when the Holy Spirit loves to come close. It's when we live in, 
live in sin and choosing not to look at it, not choose to confess it. Um, you know, there's a sense of arrogance about it. When you think about your relationship with the people, when people come to you and they've got something wrong and they come apologetically, you might still be cross what they've done, but you are moved by someone, you know, kind of being contrite about what they've done. With someone withstands you when they've done something wrong, you know, it's like, no, no, I'm, 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 you know, even though I think I know I'm wrong, I don't, I don't want to admit that, I don't humble myself. It makes relationships difficult. But I think as soon as humility comes into the mix, the, the Holy Spirit rushes to us alongside us and, and, and comes to us. So I think if anyone's fearful that they, you know, I've sinned, is the Holy Spirit going to come to me? Well, are you repentant? Do you want the Holy Spirit there? Because the Holy Spirit loves to come to those who seek him and particularly seek him in repentance. And that distinction as well between conviction and condemnation oh, yeah. is, is yeah. so important yeah. here as well because sometimes we think, oh, I feel really convicted about this. Like God's not close to me. It's like, well, no, if, it, if it's conviction, God, that's, that's the work yeah, of the Spirit. That is yeah, the work yeah, of God yeah. who's bringing you to a place of conviction in order for you to come to Christ and um, receive his forgiveness. Um, and the difference between that and actually saying, no, I'm living in condemnation. I just feel completely condemned. I feel completely God can never forgive me for this, what I've done, that sort of thing. That's, that's the work of the enemy. That's the lies that he's putting in your life. That if you're in Christ, there's no place for that you know there's nothing we can do say think and that's going to put us beyond god's love that's what the the scripture says says to us so discerning the difference with that yes conviction is real yes it's not pleasant none of us like but it's in one sense it's for a moment or to bring us as a purpose of bringing us to christ and repentance whereas condemnation and feeling condemned to ourselves that's not where we should live that's not the work of God actually it's the work of the enemy that wants to keep us there in order to stop us moving forward embracing the gospel that sort of thing can I ask another question Um, there was the bit in the story when um, you look at Esau and his his response to having been wronged and being cheated and so in in some ways somebody said he's the one that faced the consequence Uh, and what is his reaction to go and do something that he knows will be a slap in his father's face um, and I think just what we, how we respond to the consequences of sin, it's, it's always good to know what do you, what's your response mechanism? What do you turn to when you feel grieved? And what do you turn to when you feel like you've been wronged? And yeah, um, yeah any thoughts on how do you process the response and what should you do with, with that? Great. Purity, how do you deal with it when people wrong you? <laughs> Oh. Yeah. oh, thanks so much, Stephen, for that opportunity <laughs> to answer that question first. I love it. Um, that's a great question. I think you had said it um, in your preach. Don't, don't remember the verse, but it was kind of like, as far as you can, live in peace with other people. Yeah. And that really helped me at the start of the year where I felt wronged by other people and was just kind of like, um, I don't know what to do in this situation. And there are so many ways I could turn. But the only thing I can really turn to is Christ and yeah. turn to the Bible and kind of be yeah. like, yeah. what is going to be the most loving thing that honors God in this mm-hmm. um, and loves the other person, but also not in a place that like, like, like you said, as far as you can. There are some situations where you can't actually, you can do as much as you can, but the other person doesn't want to receive it and mm-hmm. you can't force it because, well, God's not forceful in his will. We have free will for that. And so I'm trying to, was trying to just like go as far as I can and then the rest is on another person. You can only do as much as you can react. Um, you only have as much control over what you can react to. 
yeah. um, I don't know what that looks like practically. Just <laughs> a lot of prayer, a lot of asking other people yeah, who yeah, I know yeah, are going to yeah. bring me closer to God. Um, yeah, that's basically it. Yeah. yeah. I think when, I, when I'm wronged, I try and go worst case scenario. I'm like, what is the potentially worst thing this person has intended? And, you know, you know cause a friend's done that. Okay, well, let's put them in the worst possible camp. They premeditated this. They want to do the worst they possibly can. Okay, what's God's what's what's God's, what's God's requirement of me? And uh, God's requirement is really clear. What do we do with enemies? We pray and bless them. Yeah. And so I'm like, even if this is the worst case scenario, okay, well, I have a very clear scripture on this. You know, I don't, I wouldn't even class them as enemy, but let's make it worse. Let's make it the worst they could possibly be in this, and think, okay, they're, they're, Jesus tells them what to do with it. And you know, I'm going to pray for and bless and forgive my enemies and love them, and it puts me in that place, which I think really does help me, uh, particularly when things, you know, we do get hurt, people do wrong us, and I have been hurt and wronged, and it's we're not dismissing that. We're not saying we're not saying it's okay. We're saying, okay, what do we do with that? Well, God's best for me is actually to pray a blessing upon them, trusting that His judgment is right. Easiest, easier said than done. I definitely have woken up in the night thinking about a thing again, thinking, this is what I'll do to them in return. And then Jesus reminds me, no, what am I meant to do? I'm meant to pray for them and bless them and trust Him with the outcome. It doesn't mean I should put myself back in a place of harm necessarily. It doesn't mean I shouldn't have hard conversations. It doesn't mean I shouldn't call out sin. Whereas, yeah, often that is the way to love someone, is actually to bring to them uh, their sin that's against you. Uh, but you definitely want to do it from a place where you know, I'm doing this from a place of loving that person. Can I say that I'm bringing this because I really love them? Or I saying it because I want my pound of flesh. I don't want to know how it really feels. And I just think, actually, you know, how, does, how does Jesus deal with his enemies? Uh, he went to the cross for them. And so just, just, just knowing that. And knowing sometimes that means that you have the privilege, and it is a real privilege, to suffer as a result of that. Which means, you know what, your side might not get hurt. You might not get the vindication you want in this life. That's okay. Actually, ultimately, that's fine. Much better to line up with Jesus and the blessing that comes from just following him into it, I think. Amazing. What a note to finish on, eh? Yeah. Well, thanks, man. Should we finish today? <laughs> bank holiday plans, anyone? Double bank holiday oh, this lots, week? Lots of food. I'm going to make loads of yeah, you're going to get another one of these, aren't you? I might get another one of these. Because barbecue, man. I've been messaging my mother-in-law about what cooking responsibilities I'm going to take over. I can imagine. you Now you've got your citizenship. you just like full... <laughs> union, She's my queen. Union Jack. Yeah, exactly. Union Jack, uh, suits. You'll be loving it. Yeah, this is, my, this is my first royal celebration as part of... I was going to say Empire, but I won't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh it's dear! Part of the, I'm a British citizen now. Yeah, you are. She's my queen. Get ready for the disappointment that inevitably comes. <laughs> Thanks for joining us here on Live Lunch, and we'll see you again next week. Bye bye.